I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Listen, we as writers, we love to read. Okay, and sometimes books don't always get the love that they should, despite the amount of stuff that's going on in them. And I'm specifically talking about Star Trek beta canon. So, without further ado, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are the 10 biggest secrets revealed in Star Trek novels. Number 10. Trelane's True Nature, Q-squared. Peter David's novel finally confirms what most people sort of assumed since the arrival of John Delancey's Q. Namely, that Trelane from the original series episode, The Squire of Gothos, was in fact a member of the Continuum. As I say, this had been assumed for quite a long time in canon, but this was the first time it was actually out and out stated. And not only was he a member of the Continuum, but he was one who had gone rogue. In the novel, Q seeks Picard's help to help track down and basically take down Trelane. William Campbell's Trelane set the it set the template for a lot of what the Q would become afterwards. So to see this finally confirmed in the novel was a great way of tying the original series episode into future versions. Number nine, Kirk's middle name and a new type of Klingon ship, Star Trek the Motion Picture novelization. Gene Roddenberry wrote the full novel of Star Trek The Motion Picture, with a story credit going to Alan Dean Foster as well. In this novelization, it's the first time that Tiberius was confirmed as Kirk's middle name. You might be sitting there going, Sean, you absolute idiot, that was said in the animated series. And you would be right, but you must consider that in 1979, the animated series was not considered canon. That is because Gene Roddenberry kind of walked through life going, yeah, it'll follow that rule today, maybe that rule tomorrow. That rule can go and flip itself. So this was Roddenberry finally confirming, yeah, right, Tiberius' name. This was explained away in the novel that Kirk's grandfather had this obsession with ancient Rome, and particularly the Caesars of Rome. So this is where Tiberius came from. It's also the first time that Ketinga was confirmed as the name of the Klingon battlecruiser that first began appearing in the motion picture and onwards, which was, of course, the D7 beefed up with a motion picture budget. Where was Geordi? Star Trek Picard, The Last Best Hope. Dr. Una McCormick's novel is a prequel to Star Trek Picard's first season, and it deals with what led up to the synth attack on Mars. We get a little bit of backstory and expanding on Bruce Maddox in this novel. We get to 
see a little bit more of Rafi and understand what led to the breakdown of her marriage and her relationship with her son. Now what we also get is the crucial bit of information of where was Geordi when everything was going down. Now as we know, Geordi the Forge was in control of the entire mechanical side of the rescue mission to evacuate Romulus. You would think he'd be a fairly large player, so where the heck was he in season one? And that is Something that still annoys me at the first season of Picard. You could have at least shown the man surviving. Number seven, Uhura's first name, Star Trek II Biographies. William Rossler wrote a tie-in novel when The Wrath of Khan was being released. Effectively, it was a biography book with a breakdown of each of the main characters. Now, this was the first time in print that Neota was confirmed as Uhura's first name. There had been a couple of different names offered as her first name before this, but as has been stated on screen in J.J. Abrams' start to 2009, Naoda is now the accepted first name for this character. But it was all the way back in 1982 that we actually got this confirmed in print. When Rossler proposed this, he actually went to Roddenberry, who in turn said, look, it's fine with me, but you've got to square that with Nichelle Nichols before anyone accepts that as the name. And so that's exactly what he did. He went to Nichelle Nichols. He explained why he had chosen Neota. She agreed and was delighted with this. And from that point on, Neota Uhura was confirmed as her name. Number six, the Tomed incident, Serpent Among the Ruins. David George III wrote what led up to the beginnings of the Treaty of Algeron. And he also gave us a little bit of expanded story on the Enterprise B and Captain John Harriman. As it stands, the only canon appearance of the Enterprise B and John Harriman was in the opening of Star Trek Generations, in which the maiden voyage saw Kirk sucked out into the Nexus. This novel expands on that and says that basically Harriman struggled throughout his career to kind of get over that. Certainly wasn't his fault what happened to Kirk, but Still, if the most famous officer in Starfleet basically gets sucked out into space on your watch, that tends to stain a name. From this point on, he actually ended up getting further and further involved in Romulan activity and in the Federation, particularly as it was building up toward an escalation of hostilities. The Tomed incident was designed to effectively quash this build-up of hostilities because it doesn't, it doesn't look good for Starfleet when you say it like this. Basically, they faked a massacre. They organized that it looked like the Romulans had destroyed thousands of Federation lives, which basically got them to back down. This led to the Treaty of Algeron, which of course led to the Federation not being able to develop cloaking technology and also a de-escalation of hostilities and the Romulans disappearing for about half a century after that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Number five, Sulu's first name, the entropy effect. Vonda V. McIntyre introduced Hikaru as Sulu's first name in this novel. This is set just after the events of the motion picture. We have a, a beautifully long-haired Sulu on the cover of the novel as well. Hikaru would only be said for the first time in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, which followed more than 10 years after this. This was being used in print for the decade leading up to the release of The Undiscovered Country. Now this was good because much like Uhura, he was just Sulu for years and years and years. It's like, do do we get to give him a name? Do we just call him Mr.? The novel, while canon, wasn't actually confirmed to be using his real name until Star Trek VI was released. Much like Star Trek II biographies, this was a nice tie-in between the printed media and the visual media, which meant kind of encouraging readers to go and read these novels to see that there are there's a lot of information out there in them that might not necessarily have the time to make it into the movies and television series. Number four, how did the Stargazer survive the buried age? Christopher L. Bennett wrote the story of how the physical Stargazer ship managed to survive the Battle of Maxia when everyone thought it was lost. When the Ferengi managed to cripple the ship, Picard gave the order to abandon the ship which was then, it was their belief, set on a collision course with a gas giant. So all of the surviving crew managed to escape in escape pods, get out into space, and the last thing they saw was the Constellation-class ship heading straight toward the atmosphere of this planet. Everyone gave it up as lost, and perhaps a little understandably at that point. Now, by a sheer stroke of luck, what happened was that the ship bounced off the atmosphere of the planet and was then left adrift in space. Damon Bock then arrived in his ship, discovering that his son had been killed in the battle. He tractor beamed the Constellation class ship and began plotting his revenge against Picard and the rest of the crew of the Stargazer. Number three, Garrick's training and backstory, A Stitch in Time. While playing the part of Garrick in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, actor Andrew J. Robinson kept a Bible along the way that he used to make sure that he understood his character's motivations, where he was coming from, and, you know, different facets of his background. Once the show wrapped, he actually was approached to expand this into a novel. A Stitch in Time was the result in this, and what that offers the audience is a lot more about Garrick that we didn't get to see on screen. We discover a lot of his posting on Romulus, where he was posing as a gardener. We discover his training in the Obsidian Order and his relationship with Anabrantain. We also discover that he had a somewhat of a relationship with Dukat years before, insofar as he was responsible for the death of Dukat's father. Perhaps somewhat understandable then that Dukat wouldn't be a massive fan of Garrick. This novel is essential reading for understanding this character. Number two, Captain Erica Hernandez's fate, Star Trek Destiny. David Mack's Destiny trilogy is, in my opinion, 
essential reading for any fan of Star Trek. And there's quite a few reasons for this. One is that it's a fantastic crossover event where you get to see what's happening with Voyager, the Enterprise E, Esri Dax is captain of the Aventine. There's an awful lot going on. But what it also does is it offers a resolution to the story of Captain Erica Hernandez and the SS Columbia. We discover that the Columbia traveled through a wormhole that ended up killing most of the crew. While Hernandez and some of the crew survived, they were guests of the Celiar, who were a race of immensely powerful aliens who have a very direct connection with the Borg. There's a lot of time travel going on, there's a lot of agelessness going on, but what we discover is that Hernandez is unable to return to Starfleet after her encounter with the Celiar. She, in fact, remains with them as sort of an ageless being. In a way, it's a sad ending that she doesn't get to see any of her friends and family anymore, but it's also similar to Decker's encounter with V'ger. She goes on to effectively become a human ambassador with the CLR that allows them to help save Starfleet at a critical moment in Federation history. It's quite a cathartic ending for the character who was introduced in the fourth season of Enterprise, but just surely that there wasn't enough time, we didn't get to see enough of her. Number one, the early years, the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. Dr. Una McCormick returns on this list. She wrote the autobiography of Catherine Janeway, which is just a fantastic novel, which explores much of the backstory to Janeway before she takes over command of Voyager. Now, while it does discuss some of the events on Voyager, it's really better for giving us a greater picture of Janeway's life pre-taking over as captain, and particularly a lot of what went on between her and Mark. For example, after reading this novel, the loss of Mark and the breakdown of their relationship due to being stranded in the Delta Quadrant, it cuts a little bit deeper because you can see that they really did love each other. We also get a much greater understanding of her motivations based on her father's career and death, and understanding between her and her sister and her and her mother. If you get a chance, you must absolutely pick up the audiobook version of this, which is read by Kate Mulgrew. Seems like a no-brainer, but it seems like the only way that you should really enjoy this particular story. Combine the audiobook with what you discover in it, and you get the most complete picture of Catherine Janeway that really can be done. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.